0: Welcome to Le Grave Avenue CRC's sermon podcast. God's promises often don't match up to the reality we're living in, and this was certainly the case with the Jews listening to Jeremiah. But Jesus' coming tells us that this reality is not our end. You're listening to Not Your End by guest minister, Reverend John Rotman. Let's pray. Lord God, as we read your word and hear it preached, we ask that you would speak to our hearts your words of hope and give us joy in our walk with you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible reading tonight is from the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 31, beginning with verse 7 and reading through verse 14. This is what the Lord says. Sing with joy for Jacob. Shout for the foremost of the nations. Make your praises heard and say, Lord, save your people, the remnant of Israel. See, I will bring them from the land of the north and gather them from the ends of the earth. Among them will be the blind and the lame, expectant mothers and women in labor. A great throng will return. They will come with weeping, and they will pray as I bring them back. I will lead them beside streams of water on a level path where they will not stumble. Because I am Israel's father, and Ephraim is my firstborn son. Hear the word of the Lord, you nations. Proclaim it in distant coastlands. He who scattered Israel will gather them, and will watch over his flock like a shepherd. For the Lord will deliver Jacob. And redeem them from the hand of those stronger than they. They will come and shout for joy on the heights of Zion. They will rejoice in the bounty of the Lord. The grain, the new wine, and the olive oil. The young of the flocks and herds. They will be like a well-watered garden. They will sorrow no more. Then young women will dance and be glad. Young men and old as well. I will turn their mourning into gladness. I will give them comfort and joy instead of sorrow. I will satisfy the priests with abundance, and my people will be filled with bounty, declares the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. In the book, maybe you remember it as a child. I think that I saw it on to think that I saw it on Mulberry Street. A young boy wildly exaggerates what he sees on his way home from school. In his imagination, a bone-tired old horse pulling a rickety old wagon becomes a spectacular sight. By the end of the story, this simple horse and wagon have turned into a, a blue elephant with two giraffes pulling a circus wagon with a full brass band hauling a trailer. Three policemen direct traffic, the mayor cheers, and an airplane overhead drops confetti on the whole business. All created by that little boy's imagination. The boy's father takes a dim view of his son's wild story. His father responds, Your eyesight is much too keen. Stop telling such outlandish tales. Stop turning minnows into whales. Now, the people who first heard the prophet Jeremiah, who heard him preach that sermon that we just heard part of in our Bible reading, may very well have rolled their eyes too at his imagination. When they held his words up to reality, They may have said, hey Jeremiah, your eyesight is a bit too keen. Stop telling such outlandish tales. Stop turning minnows into whales. All the things Jeremiah says there in chapter 31 seem like wild tales from Mulberry Street when you hold them up to anything that was actually happening back then. You see, Jeremiah is preaching to prisoners of war. He's preaching to exiles, refugees, people who'd been forced at sword point to trod miles from home to faraway Babylon. Jeremiah is preaching to people who long to return to family and farm and to their homes. People who ache to worship together again at the temple in Jerusalem, to sing the songs of Zion together without masks. People who dream of the very things that Jeremiah announces in his sermon are about to happen. But what Jeremiah announces just seems too good to be true. An end to exile fatigue. God gathering his scattered, shattered people. Not just the best and the brightest, but including all those who could never make the return trip to Jerusalem on their own. The lame, the old, the visually impaired. The whole trip will be punctuated with tears of joy and prayers of thanksgiving, says Jeremiah. God will see, it, will see to it that your captors will just plain let you go. And when you arrive home, you will shout for joy as the Lord swamps you with his bounty. Grain to spare, olive oil to burn, new wine to enjoy. Well, I know that some of you are a little more sophisticated here at La Grave and new wine doesn't sound all that good, but you could maybe stretch the Hebrew words there a little bit to mean new vintages of wine, a new release perhaps, like Camus Hillside Bethlehem, and Hebron Chateau Rothschild. With the flood of God's abundance, Jeremiah sees a community flourishing like a well-watered garden. Sorrow disappears, maidens dancing like there's no tomorrow with eager young men. Even old geezers like me would be joining in. Abracadabra. Mourning turned to gladness. Sorrow magically replaced by comfort and joy. And maybe this is the best part. It says, I will satisfy the priests with abundance. I think that means like higher clergy salaries. I mean, how good is that? All of it at any rate. Extravagant blessing all around. I mean, wow. Now some years have gone by since Jeremiah preached his sermon. The Jewish exiles have returned from far away Babylon, quite a group of them. But the reality of returning home has fallen a bit short of Jeremiah's glittering announcement. The walls of Jerusalem are a tumble-down mess. The proud city gates or a pile of ashes, The, the temple in Jerusalem just sits there as a random heap of burned limestone. I mean, you can't pray on a pile of rubble like that. What a mess. And not just nice Jewish girls dancing with nice Jewish boys either anymore. Those who return hooked up with foreign women who didn't care that much about the God of Israel as it turned out. Drought, and taxes plagued them all. The leaders began to take advantage of the weak. Gangs of squatters who moved in when the exiles had moved out harassed those who returned. People have to work, in fact, with a sword in one hand and a trowel in the other. Threat always looms just around the corner. Economic distress, slow progress in the return, And then people who remembered the old temple, when they saw the progress on the new temple, just wept for tears of disappointment. They were home all right, but it was just no picnic. Jeremiah, what were you thinking? Your preaching only has served to turn minnows into whales. Preaching these days can sometimes seem like exaggeration too. God's promises often seem to fall short of the preacher's imagination and presentation, at least in many of our lives. John Wimber, the founder of the Vineyard Churches, ran up against that reality soon after he fell head over heels in love with Jesus. When God found John in 1963, he was, as he described himself, a beer-guzzling, drug-abusing pop musician who was converted while chain-smoking his way through a Quaker-led Bible study. Soon, though, he couldn't get enough of the Bible. He read it like crazy. And after weeks of reading about all the miracles there and attending church regularly, he ended up asking one of the lay leaders in the church, when do we get to do the stuff? And the leader said what stuff? And John Wimber said, well, you know, the stuff Jesus did, like healing the sick and raising the dead and opening the eyes of the blind, stuff like that. And the lay leader said to him, well, we don't do that stuff anymore. We just do the stuff that we do at worship on Sundays. And John Wimber replied, well, that's kind of boring. I gave up drugs for that. John went on to found a church, the Vineyard Church, that looked for miracles. And miracles did happen among them. At least some of them did. And and they happened even somewhat regularly. But, But toward the end of his life, John Wimber admitted to experiencing a bit of depression. He was ill. And God chose not to heal him in the way he'd hoped. What was he supposed to do, he mused, when God's promises didn't seem to track his reality? As we hear those words of Jeremiah this evening, the promises of God in our ears may ring like Mulberry Street exaggerations too. In the grip of a COVID epidemic, amid all the political turmoil and racial tension, the promises of God may seem just to kind of elude our grasp. Too often, reality catches us wondering if our hopes and longings will ever once again see the light of day. Will will we ever come together again with family and friends in the way that we used to? Will full pews and robust singing once again mark our life together here at La Grave? Will we travel on vacation in a humming economy? Well, could that happen, or is this kind of the end? What about it, Jeremiah? Well, Jeremiah doesn't back down, as you might expect him to. He does recognize the pain and suffering in the world. A couple of verses after the ones he, we read, he talks about Rachel weeping for her children, as he puts it. But Jeremiah continues to bubble with divine optimism. Jeremiah holds up the return of the exiles with dancing and shouts of joy, a renewed economy, vintage wines, garden bounty. Take all these as signs of the beginnings of God's promise, he said. This is the beginning of something that God will one day bring fully into existence in all its newness. When When God imagines your future, it's not just a mulberry pipe pipe dream. As it turns out, the future that God promises us is actually, well, beyond our wildest imagination. You see, what Jeremiah sees in the future has already culminated in a totally magically move, magical move on God's part. God actually took on our humanity in the person of the man Jesus, God becomes a human being. Then God allows himself to suffer the penalty of human sin and rebellion on the cross. And after that, God executes the deepest magic in all of human history. He raises Jesus Christ from the dead, and then if you can believe it, he promises to raise all those who follow Jesus in the same way. God unleashes a resurrection magic on his world. God gave my friend Paul, who is a pastor and found Jesus in prison, a glimpse of that resurrection magic just a few weeks ago. Earlier in the month, the governor of Louisiana commuted Paul's sentence. He was serving 20 years to life. He texted me as he got out of prison a picture of himself outside the prison gate. Standing there with a wide grin on his face and resurrection joy just drenching him, Paul headed for home. Christmas with family, worship with friends. He actually got married on Christmas Eve, finally free. He saw all that stuff as a taste of the resurrection joy, a gift from Jesus. Well, you might say, what about those who don't get out of prison? I mean, come on. Paul would remind me from time to time that 90% of his fellow inmates at Angola Prison in Louisiana die there behind bars. About a third of those who die there are buried at the prison because they're Families are too poor or too distant to claim their bodies. On the day he got out, Paul also texted me a second picture. It was a picture of the new graveyard at Angola Prison. In the picture, there are several hundred white gravestones lined up row upon row. Kind of reminds you of the cemeteries at um, Normandy. In the picture... Paul stands with his back to the camera and his hands raised as if he were blessing those who were buried there. When I got the picture, I called Paul and said, what's going on with that second picture you sent me? Well, he said, as an inmate pastor, I conducted the funeral of the second person buried in that cemetery, and now there are several hundred. I had to go there on my way out, he said, I wanted to bless them, and I wanted to remind myself. I lifted my hands and I said, Jesus says to you, this is not your end. The promise of the resurrection. This evening, as we begin another week and stand close to the beginning of 2021, these are the words of Jesus to us too. This is not your end. Jeremiah got it right. There is a grand reunion and a homecoming on the horizon. Exiles returning, prisoners set free. Exiles, blind eyes open, lame leaping for joy, old grudges buried, broken relationships healed once again. So as you enjoy those little moments in the days ahead, as things begin to open up again, as you... See family again, enjoy meals together, raise festive glasses, and experience a kind of restoration hope. See in all of that images of the promise of Jesus in his resurrection. Hope incarnate. See them as little gifts that remind us, this is not your end. This is your beginning. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Lord God, you know that there are plenty of days when we feel like we're on the edge, when your promises seem far away and kind of beyond our grasp. We ask that you would come close to us with your Holy Spirit, impress upon us the reality of our risen Lord, And help us to see in the little things that you send our way, hints of your promises for the future. We thank you for all of this. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast.